Hi there, this is Mimi and Bridget, and on today's episode, we are bringing you Jeanette Mathieu. Jeanette is a marathoner and a runner for the Peninsula Distance Club, uh, which meets and runs down in the South Bay. And Jeanette recently ran the Olympic trials um, in Atlanta in February. She qualified at CIM uh, with about 17 seconds to spare. And this was a really fun episode where we got to know Jeanette a little bit more. Um, We learned more about how she came to running a little bit later, um, having started in in high school, but not running at the collegiate level, um, and then pursuing a career in, in medicine and how she found running again in medical school. Um, and we learned more about what Jeanette's life is like as a resident. She's um, a radiology resident at UCSF, which isn't easy. And so she tells us a lot about how she balanced being a resident with training for the trials um, and what that was like and her approach. And it was just a really, really fun conversation. Um, What did you think, Bridget? Yeah, it was great. Jeanette just had, I think, a great story about how she trains for the marathon, how she mentally thinks about the marathon, um, you know, training with other other people and training by herself a lot, you know, thinking about how you balance working the night shift. So, you know, she talked about how she was on the night shift, I think the last, I can't remember if she said, two, uh, well, the last few weeks before the Olympic trials. Um, And just how difficult that is, you know, and I think there's that mix of like, she clearly loves running, she's clearly talented with running, but like all of us, um, you know, sometimes it's really hard to balance work and especially when work is demanding um, and getting out the door. And so I just really loved hearing her perspective on everything um, and kind of what she's how she's doing right now uh, during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. how that shifted her perspective on on goals um, and where she wants to go in the future. So I think it's a it's an episode that a lot of people can relate to. She's someone who is easy to look up to. Um, she's obviously had a lot of success, but is super relatable because she is just like like a lot of us, someone who has a full time job um, and finds time to run and to enjoy the run when she can. Yeah, I loved the way she talked about lifelong learning. And how in medicine, you sort of sign yourself up to be a lifelong learner. And the same thing is kind of true in running. Like you're continuously learning and learning new things um, about yourself as an athlete, as a runner. And I thought that was a great um, parallel and and comparison to the two, her two endeavors. The other thing, the other fun fact about Jeanette is that she was actually trained to be like a concert pianist. And so yeah. Bridget and I were saying maybe we should recruit her to compose some um, some music for our podcast. So perhaps be on the lookout for <laughs> some music yeah, by Jeanette. Uh, we haven't talked to her about that, but but who knows? That could be a future collaboration. Enjoy this episode with uh, Jeanette Mathieu. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Runners of the Bay podcast. We are here this afternoon with Jeanette Mathieu. Um, Jeanette is a physician. She's a radiology resident, and uh, she also recently ran the Olympic marathon trials back in February. And she's also a member of the Peninsula Distance Club, which is an elite team that trains here in the Bay Area. Um, They do a lot of their workouts at Stanford. Um, and we share a coach, 
uh, the wonderful Dina Evans, which is great. Um, so we're so excited to have Jeanette on on the podcast, and she has an inc- a very interesting story coming to running a little bit later in life. Um, clearly <laughs> having a natural talent for it, um, and then obviously balancing that with being a medical resident. Um, so welcome, Jeanette. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So we will we'll sort of get right into it. I think we want to start with um, qualifying for the trials, and then we'll get a little bit more into your backstory. Um, but you qualified at CIM, uh, California International Marathon, or yes, California International Marathon, um, in 2019 with a whopping 17 seconds to spare. <laughs> yes. Um, so can you tell us what that was like? <laughs> yeah, it was a, a pretty crazy experience. Um, it was my second marathon, uh, and actually the second one in about I think six months, wow. and. Um, and so I, I'd been pretty nervous leading up to the race. And that day, uh, that morning, went about as well as I could, could have hoped. Um, so I got out to the starting line feeling okay. And the race itself was incredible. Um, CIM is a course um, where a lot, of, a lot of people go specifically to try to make this qualifying time. And so there were hundreds of women um, who were running right around the same pace. And we had uh, three official pacers who were tasked with keeping us just under that 245 mark. Mm-hmm. And it was just such an incredible experience to be able to run in this giant wall of women for 26.2 miles. Um, and um, the race itself I think you you all have probably both uh, run marathons, but um, they it doesn't really start until mile twenty. So the first mm-hmm. twenty miles, everything felt pretty relaxed. Um, I did unfortunately stop to retie my shoes around mile twelve, and then I looked at my watch again and realized I'd lost a minute and, and freaked out. Um, but aside from that, first twenty miles went pretty smoothly. Um, and, uh, then around like mile 22, it finally started to kick in that, uh, the, the end was, was near, but I was feeling pretty tired. Um, and I, um, with both of the, the races I had done with CIM and then with grandma's, the one that I did before, mm-hmm. I ended up getting pretty bad cramps. And so toward the end, it was, it, it felt like the last four miles took as much time as the previous 22. I just remember thinking, just keep going, keep going, keep going. And um, just like fixing my eyes on the pacer in front of me. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, I didn't really know I'd actually make it until I was about 10 feet from the finish line when mm-hmm. I thought, okay, even if I like fall and collapse, <laughs> I'll probably still make it. Um, and um, And also just the finish line itself, having so many um, women who had just finished just like cheering and screaming for everyone as we as we crossed the line it was uh, I'll never forget um, get, forget the experience and just how how meaningful it was to be like to feel part of that group um, mm-hmm. that was aiming for this time and, and to make it and to be able to go to Atlanta 
Yeah. Yeah, that the scenes from the finish line, I mean, they're they're luckily well documented, the videos and the images of just the women kind of pulling in the the finisher the finishers who are, you know, right under the line just mm-hmm. I think give everybody goosebumps, any runner who's who's gone for that or who kind of knows what what it means to to finish a marathon, to finish a marathon that quickly. Where um what what kind of cramps do you get? Do you get them in your legs? Are you talking like side yeah. cramps? Where, what does it feel like? So usually they start in my calves, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, actually with uh, with grandma's the race I had done in June, they got so bad that I had to stop, um, and I missed the qualifying time by quite a bit of time um, <laughs> that time around, and the they were just like excruciating every time I'd take a step like my cramp, uh, my calves would just like Charlie horse. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't run. Um, and then with, uh, with CIM, I, I did have calf cramps. And then I also did also get like kind of quads and hamstrings as well. Um, and also my feet will cramp. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I found that I had to like run in a very specific way, like very specific posture in the last couple of miles to like keep everything from just like going into like the giant spasm but um (laughs) yeah I've heard that's just kind of part of the marathon yeah uh both Bridget and I have run a handful of marathons and we sort of refer to it as like a puzzle that we're constantly trying to solve so it's like how do you solve that cramp puzzle how do you solve that I don't know breathing puzzle Mm -hmm. or bathroom puzzle so it's like every time you run one you learn something a little bit different and and unfortunately it's at like the expense of having to go through it but um it's still an important lesson so yeah. that's like incredibly impressive that you were able to do that in just your second marathon um now let's go back a little bit what what brought you to running a little bit later in life what's your journey to that and then um how did you make your way up to the marathon yeah i um so when I was in high school, I did a couple of years of cross country, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, my team wasn't particularly, um, particularly big or, or or serious about it. We were kind of a low mileage team, um, and so I, I mostly did that did that for fun, and didn't even consider running in college. Um, and then it was right before I started med school that I just got the idea um, to run a 5k um actually the the med school where i went vanderbilt they have an annual race called the shade tree trot that is um to raise money for the free clinic that is um run by uh, the vanderbilt medical students and so um, my sister was a med student at the time i was about to start my training there as a med student in the fall and so i thought it'd be great to to run this 5k and this was a couple months before i started med school um, and so then I decided to run again with that goal in mind. Um, and then in the end, I ended up not being able to actually do the race, but I got hooked on running. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and not even just that, I remember just feeling like, well, if I'm going to try to do this 5K, I may as well try to do it fast. And so kind of from the get-go, I um, I liked the idea of, of pushing myself and doing some of my runs faster and seeing you know, how fast I could get. Um, so that's kind of how I started running again. And then all through med school, I, I kind of kept it up as a way to 
um, unwind from classes and um, just take a break from studying. And a lot of my best friends I met through running. Um, I was a member of the Nashville Harriers, which is a local running club out in Nashville. And, um, and then I also started just incorporating um, more of like a, like a, I guess, a, a running schedule. So uh, when I joined the Harriers, we would do Tuesday night workouts. And so I started doing that. And that was something that was a little new for me. Um, mm-hmm. And eventually also adding in like long runs on the weekends. And um, so I think it all kind of gradually... Uh, like the intensity of my running and the amount that I did kind of increased pretty slowly um, throughout medical school. And um, then I I left Nashville once I graduated and moved to Salt Lake City for my intern year. And um, I loved that year. I had, I had so much fun living in Utah and um, I would trail run a lot and I wasn't really training for anything in particular during that year. But um, a few of the friends I made while I was out there um, actually were training with the Olympic trials qualifying time in mind. And so I think it was around then or maybe at the end of med school that I, I first kind of heard of this and remember thinking, oh, wow, that, that sounds really fast. It would be, it'd be cool, to, <laughs> cool to do that eventually, but that sounds like a really, really fast time in a long race. And uh, so yeah, as an intern, I didn't I didn't actually have the time to do a lot of, of dedicated training, and also being in Utah, there there are a lot of other uh, outdoor activities that can mm-hmm. can occupy your time. So mm-hmm. I skied a lot, and I did a little climbing, and um, lots of trail running. But I I wasn't really um, aiming at that point to try to run a fast road marathon. It was really only. Once I moved to San Francisco for the rest of my residency, that um, I decided that I wanted to to go after the the qualifying time. And um, I guess it was halfway through my first year in San Francisco when a bunch of runners, local runners, um, ran CIM and actually made the time. And I remember thinking that it was pretty inspiring to to meet a lot of these uh, these women who who had been able to do this. And, you know, many of them also had other jobs. They weren't full-time professional runners, professional athletes. And so I started to think, well, maybe, maybe I can do it too. Um, And so it was January of 2019 when I decided to like really actually go for this. And so I, um, I got a coach, Krista Landry, who um, he uh, ran at the College of William Mary, and he coached at Michigan for a while, um, and now he um, coaches back in North Carolina. Um, but I met him through uh, mutual friends, and he started coaching me in January, and uh, that's when my training really ramped up, and I started running, you know, 50, 60 miles a week, and um, doing usually about two workouts a week and a long run um, as well. And, um, and yeah, so then over that year, uh, from January to, I guess, December, when I actually made the time, um, I was, um, I was training under Christo and, and trying to do, um, or trying to incorporate a lot of different things that I, I hadn't really done before. Um, things like, uh, for like workouts or, um, 
long, long tempo runs, that sort of thing. Uh, those those were pretty new to me, but yeah, in the end, it all kind of it all kind of worked out, and um, I'm really glad I I did it. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a pretty uh, fast rise. Like you made this commitment in January in 2019, and then less than a year later, you qualified. That's that's incredible. So there was clearly a lot of just really raw talent that you have um, that you're now like truly uh, expressing. And I'm sure there's like so much more, which has got to be pretty exciting. Yeah. I um, I mean, it, it it was so fun to try to, you know, push myself and see, see where I could take it. Um, and I really do look forward to in the future, you know, working on my time again in mm-hmm. 2024. Um, and hopefully being able to, to race again in the trials and just keep growing as a runner and um, even exploring new distances. And um, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. pretty excited to, to see where this leads. Nice. So when did you join uh, PDC? So I joined them, um, I think it was in the fall of 2019, right okay. after I did grandma's marathon. Um, right. And I, um, yeah, I, I really wanted to find a group of, um, of people to run with in the area. And I had a few friends who were on the team and really liked it. And so I, I just, uh, went and met with the team one day, met Dina and mm-hmm. it felt like a really good fit. And so I, I joined and unfortunately, because I live in San Francisco, mm-hmm. I wasn't always able to make team practices. Um, but I would still try to get down to South Bay um, once every couple of weeks and at least do long runs with members of the team and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you consider awesome. yourself like a naturally competitive person or did this kind of, do you feel like this drive is more internal? I think it's, I think it's probably uh, mostly an internal thing. Um, and that's actually one reason why I think I really like I, I look at CIM as being one of the the most fun racing experiences, not because I won or beat anyone <laughs> in particular, um, but because I was able to meet a goal that I'd set for myself. Um, I think, you know, not having run in college, I, I don't think I developed that same drive to like, you know, you must pass this person because that's another point for your team Mm-hmm. And, um, I think mm-hmm. I kind of, yeah, I guess when I race, I, I ideally like to, to win or place as high as I can. But, um, I think most of what makes me feel like I've accomplished what I set out to do is if I, you know, made the time that I set for myself, or if I feel like I pushed myself well and felt really strong, I, you know, can't really control who comes out to race against me on, on race day. So, you know, I could have the best race of my life um, and someone could just be faster. And that's that's perfectly fine with me. Yeah. Yeah. What was the experience like at the trials? Because you had a pretty short turnaround going from December uh, CIM to the trials. Um, so what was what was that experience like? And then just running it, did you have a goal in mind? And, and how was how was racing the trials? Yeah. Yeah. So it was a pretty quick turnaround. Um, I, um, I'm in my second year right now, finishing up my second year of residency. And this year we have a lot of call, 
mm-hmm. where we have to be in-house in the hospital uh, either overnight or on weekends. And those shifts tend to be really pretty busy uh, and pretty stressful. Yeah. And so uh, leading into the trials, I had a couple weeks of, of night float where I was going into the hospital, working from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m., you know, you stay up all night, you read a lot of studies, you talk to a lot of different teams, and it's it's quite a fast-paced environment. And it makes for really good learning in med- in, uh, in residency, but really bad training. <laughs> and so <laughs> afterward, I'd, I'd struggle to, you know, get a couple miles in or do a really short abbreviated workout, but it was, it was really tough. And um, when you switch your sleep schedule like that, I, I at least have a tough time adjusting and feeling normal. So, um, yeah, I had like every single run that I remember from that two week period was just, it just felt awful. (laughs) Um, and so unfortunately that was kind of right where my coach wanted to put like the biggest, longest weeks, um, of the buildup leading into the trials. And so I do think I kind of didn't, unfortunately didn't get a chance to, um, to really build up as much as I wanted to. Uh, so my goal um, for Atlanta was uh, really, I, I wanted to go and enjoy the experience. And I think that was probably my, my primary goal is to just, you know, be there, absorb everything and, you know, have a really positive experience. Don't put too much pressure on myself to yeah. replace any, you know, in any particular part of the race or to run a specific time. I knew um, the Atlanta course was going to be really hilly and it did not disappoint in that (laughs) area. So, um, so I think, um, yeah, leading into it, I, I didn't know if I'd be able to run the same pace that I'd run at CIM. Um, But I thought as long as I'm having fun and as long as I'm, you know, being as competitive as I can be and trying to pace myself well and, and push to the end, I said I would, I'd be happy with that. Um, and in the end, I think in, in general, all things considered, the, the race itself was was pretty good. Um, I felt okay until the last about six miles, which is <laughs> how these things typically go. Um, mm-hmm. And so, which was actually a little bit of a surprise. I was, I was really worried that early on I would feel a lot worse because of all of the hills. And I thought, oh, it it's really going to suck if I'm out on mile 10, 11, I feel my right. legs starting to get heavy. <laughs> but luckily, um, luckily it didn't really happen. Um, but it was, it was pretty windy and, and, and definitely hilly. So I know I, I, my pace slowed a bit in the last couple of miles, but, but all in all, it was still a really, a really great experience. Did you have yeah. any cramps? At, at- <laughs> yeah. You have any cramps? No, I actually didn't. And, um, <laughs> Yeah, which is a little strange. I I think I was going a little slower, particularly at the end. So maybe if I had like kept pushing and like made myself keep the exact same pace, um, I don't know. Maybe I, I would have. Um, but I, I I definitely eased up a bit. I think the first half was right around the qualifying time. So I think I came through around like a one twenty two in the first half. Um, but then in the second half, I, I think my pace slipped up into like the 630, 640 range um, in the last like six to maybe seven miles or so. Um, but yeah, I um, when I finished, I actually felt 
the best out of all of the, mm. all of the, the prior marathons, um, certainly had fewer cramps. <laughs> Maybe it's something with the hills. I don't know. Like if your body is using different muscles yeah. at different points in time, because, you know, grandmas and CIM are both really flat. I actually find that I tend to cramp a little bit more on flatter courses. Yeah. So could be. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I know you're a radiologist, but like, like that's, that's my theory. Um, yeah. do, did you run with a pack or like a group of women or um, any of your teammates? I didn't. Um, in, in the beginning, the you know the field was huge. There were mm-hmm. probably over 400 girls or, and women on the line, and um, so in the beginning, we were all kind of bunched together. And so I think through the first half marathon, I was with, um, I was around other people. Um, but toward the end, we actually started, uh, in, at least in my area of the race, it felt like everyone started separating out, which was a little unfortunate because I think it would have made the, the, the wind a lot better if we could have stuck <laughs> together. But instead, it felt like we were all just like strung out and every, I could watch everyone in front of me and I'm sure everyone behind me was also struggling and like swaying in the wind as we were climbing these hills. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think um, I'm sure in other parts of the race, there were, there were probably some packs forming, but right where I was, we didn't really have many. I wonder too, um, it seems like going back to CIM for a second, that that group of women that, that sort of crossed the line in that last minute um, under the qualifying team or at time, like seems like developed, uh, an unspoken bond in some way. Yeah. So did you see any of those women and was it like, you're here, we did this. And like, <laughs> what was that like? Well, I, I have to admit that I don't know that I really recognize that many people. <laughs> um, it, I mean, I did definitely feel a lot of support from the women I was running around. Um, at CIM and I felt like it really did feel like we were all in this together and we were Mm -hmm. all like going to do it together. Um, And then certainly the people that I knew from my team, my team had, uh, you know, four other Mm -hmm. women who qualified. So there were five of us. Um, It was nice to have that camaraderie. And there were a few other women from San Francisco who I just had recognized from, you know, passing each other in the park or on the track Mm -hmm. And so seeing them was, was nice to, to, you know, recognize a familiar face. But in terms of the other women that I qualified uh, with at CIM, um, I wish I knew them better. <laughs> <laughs> and, and another really important question, did you pick up the alpha flies and did you wear them? <laughs> so I did pick them up. Yeah. And well, I mean, you have was, to pick them up. You yeah, have to get for them. sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was all very, it's surprising how it, it, it wasn't official and like they couldn't advertise it or broadcast yeah. it yeah. around, but it was just word of mouth. Within like the first day, everyone knew like there was a special room and you had to go <laughs> go find it and get your pair. So I went and I got, I got my shoes and I actually did my pre-race run in them, uh, but I decided not to wear them because mm-hmm. I had already uh worn the next percent um in several workouts and Mm -hmm. i knew that it felt pretty good the alpha flies um they still felt kind of new to me and i I didn't want to take any chances with something that felt totally new on race day yeah and um 
yeah, I think, I think that was the right, the right move. Um, I, you know, I think, you know, the Nike shoes, the, the, one of the best things about them that I actually don't think people talk about enough is that they're really comfortable. (laughs) And when you're running for 26 miles on pavement, it's, it's nice to feel a lot of cushion on your foot. Um, I've noticed it's like a huge difference even between running in those versus doing a long 20 miles in trainers. Like yeah. I feel so sore at the end of that. Um, so, so yeah, like being in the, in the next percent was, I knew they were going to feel good and they were going to feel familiar and they were going to feel like cushiony and soft. So I just went with that, but I'm excited to, to, you know, try racing in the alpha flies at some point in the future, whenever we start racing again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are, what are, what does running look like right now for you? Do you have, are you running regularly and like, what are, do you have running goals in the near or kind of longer term future? Yeah, I actually have been um, struggling a bit with this to figure yeah. out what my goals are or should be right now. I've, I've kept it up and um, I think the intensity is definitely a little lower than it was leading up to either CIM or the trials, but mm-hmm. I've tried to um, still keep myself motivated to do a tempo a week and a long mm-hmm. run a week. And um, the other thing is I, I try, really try to just get back to feeling like I enjoy every run. Yeah. Um, that's one thing that when you're training for something really specific and there's a, a time crunch where you, you have to get the training done, you know, within a certain number of weeks, it can sometimes feel pretty stressful. And some of your runs are, you're not necessarily running for fun. You're doing it because mm-hmm. you, you really have to. And um, I definitely felt that in some of the training that I did before CIM and before trials where, you know, whether it was night float and I was super tired, but kind of forcing myself to, to run hard anyway. Or if it was, you know, I just got out of work late one day and it was dark and cold and kind of rainy. And instead of being able to just go home, <laughs> I had to do, I had to get my workout in. Um, I think um, right now I've started to maybe just run whenever I feel like running and try to enjoy every run that I do. And if I feel tired one day, then I'll say, all right, well, maybe I'll do the tempo tomorrow or the next day and not, not beat myself up for that because I don't really have a, like a set schedule that I need to make to make, you know, to be in shape for a certain race at a certain time. That all being said, I was planning to do um, a half marathon in Utah in September. It's one of my favorite races. Uh, It's called exterior trail nationals mm-hmm. um it's this trail half that um essentially you you climb up to the top of one of the ski resorts um called snow basin uh actually you get to do it twice so um the first three miles you like climb up to the top and then you run down and then you climb up to the top again and you kind of top out over this ridge at eight miles you run along the ridge and then you have this nice long downhill and and you get to finish with a pretty easy like gradual down downward slope and so it's, it's such a fun race. Usually the weather is pretty perfect. Um, and I had been hoping to do that in September, but unfortunately they, they just canceled that race. Mm. So, um, so yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't really have anything else aside, you know, aside from that one that was on the, um, on the horizon. So for now, I think I'll try to spend the summer just 
enjoying running and trying to stay fit. And whenever some of these restrictions ease and we're able to race again, I think I'll probably um, start making some more concrete goals then about you know what kind mm-hmm. of distances and you know, trails or road I want to focus on. Mm. So let's let's go back to the the medical side of things. Um, and I would love to hear a little bit more about when you decided you wanted to be a doctor and your journey um, to medical school and then now in in residency and why you chose radiology specifically um, and what what the life is like um, as a, a resident in radiology. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I think I had always been interested in medicine. Um, I was a little biased because both my parents are doctors. And so growing up, it was definitely. Family business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I remember, um, I remember it was always something that we'd talk about and uh, that seemed really interesting to me. And, but I also was a musician um, mm-hmm. and I studied the piano very seriously um, and decided to should go for a music degree. And so I went to college um, and went to the Blair School of Music at Vanderbilt and got a degree in piano performance. And even when I started college and decided, uh, you know, I want to study piano seriously, I still had in the back of my mind that I might end up wanting to go to medical school. And so I actually took about one science course a semester, even while I did my music degree, just in case. Um, and then as it, as it turned out, I, about halfway through college, I, I decided I didn't want to have a, a career as a performer, as a, as a pianist. Um, and then luckily I'd done a lot of my prerequisites for medical school and I was able to kind of switch over and, um, and prepare for that. And so I ended up finishing my undergrad in 2012. I took a year out and did research for a year and applied to medical school in that year as well. And, um, and then, then started ended up deciding to stay at Vanderbilt. And so mm-hmm. I was there for medical school. And in terms of deciding about, um, well, I guess I didn't quite answer why exactly I picked medicine. So mm-hmm. I, I always liked science and um, I, I know it, this, this sentiment probably gets, you know, said a lot, but a lot of people get into medicine because they like science and they want to help people. And mm-hmm. I think that definitely applied to me where, um, you know, I, I like the science aspect, but I didn't necessarily want to stay in a lab all day. I really liked the idea of interacting with people and with patients um, and also focusing on, on curing disease, diagnosing disease and curing disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so, you know, I went into medical school and I really did not know what I wanted to do when I started medical school. Um, the first year is based in the classroom. And so you learn a lot of the fundamentals about, you know, physiology and biochemistry and pathophysiology. And then starting second year, um, I was in the hospital. And, and during that time, you get to explore all of the different fields in medicine, like obstetrics and surgery and medicine, or internal medicine, rather. 
Um, and so that's where I think most people end up deciding what they want to do. But my problem was that I kind of liked everything. And so I came out of that, that year, that second year, really unsure of what I wanted to do. Um, I thought that maybe I wanted to go into pediatrics, which is what my sister ultimately went into. She was a couple years ahead of me in med school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I entertained that for a while. And then I had a friend who was going into radiology who um, was like, you know, it's a great field. You'll probably really like it. Why don't you just like check it out for a month, do an elective in it. And so that's what I did. I did an elective in radiology the, the last year of medical school in my fourth year. And I really, I really liked it. Um, the things that I liked the most about it, um, I think uh, a lot of what you do in radiology is very, very specific to the actual field of medicine. And what I mean by that is you're, you get a set of images and you have to be able to give an answer to the clinician of what you think is going on. And so you have to give a diagnosis or you have to be able to say, I'm not sure what this is. You need to get another type of test to figure it out. Um, and so it's almost like a puzzle that, you know, you solve that puzzle. And once you're done, you look at another study and you solve that puzzle and then you move on. And one thing I had noticed from being in the clinic in the hospital is that in a lot of other fields of medicine, there was the medicine aspect, but then there were a lot of other aspects that were part of your day-to-day life and your, your normal work. So to give you an example, in internal medicine, which I did both as a medical student and again as an intern, um, you are you know, doing what people might think of as you know, what a doctor does. You go and you talk to patients, you, you do the physical exam, you order tests, but a, a lot of what you do is also um, the side of things that I found a little less interesting. So figuring out where patients need to go after they leave the hospital, navigating um, transport of patients to um, you know, rehab facilities, all of, that, all of these other things take a lot of time. And it kind of feels like those, those pieces are they're really important. They're really important for patient care, but they they aren't exactly like um, Mm -hmm. you're not exactly doing solving the puzzle. You know, Mm -hmm. you're not trying to think of the best way to describe this. Yeah. I, well, I work, so in my other job, my other life, I work on burnout and my work on burnout in healthcare started with physicians. And I, and I, what I'm hearing you describe is a lot of what our research has shown of um, sort of all of the other more administrative tasks or um, things that impede uh, a physician's if, uh, efficiency of practice. It's not what brings you joy in the work that you do. Um, mm-hmm. And what that does is it sort of like begins to erode your intrinsic motivation, what you said, science and caring for patients of why you got into the medical field in the first place. Um, mm-hmm. And it certainly uh, is a contributor to burnout. So I, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I say all that also knowing that, you know, each field has its challenges. Mm-hmm. And there's certainly yeah. things in radiology that, you know, I, I think are less fun than other things. And um, like my sister, she's, she's a pediatrician. And yeah, sometimes she has to deal with some of these administrative tasks that I might not have to deal with. But 
she also, um, of course, really values her field for other reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a trade-off. And, and yeah. you know, one thing I definitely think that radiology does trade is you don't have as much patient interaction. Right. So you can have some, and depending on what field of radiology you go into, you can have more than in other fields, but, uh, but it's definitely less. And um, so, so yeah, everything, everything is a, a bit of a trade. And as a radiologist, can you read your own scans and x-rays? I'm like, hey, I think I hurt my foot. Like, <laughs> Yeah, actually, um, you know, I, I did that, that very thing when I was uh, getting ready for CIM about two months before the race. I started having this really weird foot pain and I got really worried. I, ha- I had a stress fracture because I wasn't able to run on it for um, several weeks and in the end, I uh, I MRI'd my foot and took a look at the images, <laughs> and luckily the the bone looked okay, um, and it wasn't a stress fracture. So I I talked with a podiatrist friend of mine, and she was like, "Well, you know, if the bone's fine, and if the tendons and ligaments all look fine." I was like, "Yeah, they do." She's like, "Well, maybe I would just try running on it again and, and see what happens." And so I just kind of ran through the pain, and then it all went away on its own. Wow. So. It was a weird injury, but luckily radiology helped me. Yeah. Well, and maybe the out. peace of mind of also knowing that nothing was like structurally wrong with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Helped, helped the recovery too. Mm-hmm. How is your, has your job shifted at all during the pandemic? It has. Yeah. Our, our volume went down quite a bit in, yeah. uh, particularly in April. So, um, Radiologists look at studies for patients who are in the emergency room, um, patients who are in the hospital, but then a lot of the studies we, we see are patients who are outpatients. So they're coming in because they have a history of colon cancer and they get follow-up scans every few months to make sure the treatment's working and the cancer's not coming back. And so for a lot of those routine follow-up type of studies, we postponed quite a few of them mm-hmm. right when the lockdown first went into place. Um, and people also didn't, didn't want to come in unless they absolutely had to. So, um, basically all of the volume from the routine outpatient studies, the things that weren't emergent, all of that volume went away. And so, um, we had far fewer studies than we usually do. And so uh, as a result, um, they did change the schedule quite a bit and, um, and we, we were in the hospital less often during those, uh, those weeks and so, for instance, there were several weeks where I only came into the hospital for one or two days during the week. And then the rest of the time I was at home working on either research projects or education, watching lectures and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But actually, now, um, as things start to open up again, we are seeing the volumes kind of go back to, to normal. So the schedule has also changed to reflect that. So now, now everything is pretty much back to how it was in terms of our scheduling. Mm-hmm. What brought you? Um, so you're you're at UCSF, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you were applying to programs, did you? Um, was it you, you had your intern year? You applied to programs. So did you know? Sorry, right? Like in your fourth year of med school, that you were going to Salt Lake and then UCSF, or did you apply for programs during your intern year and? And what, what attracted you to UCSF in the Bay Area? Yeah, um, you actually um, apply during your fourth year of med school. Right. 
yeah. and you actually match. Everyone matches on the same day in March, and they find out where they're going to go. And for radiology, you match into an intern year program and okay. also into your your residency. Um, and both of, both of those matches happen same day in fourth mm-hmm. year med school. Um, so when I was in Utah, I knew that I was only going to be there for a year and then going to, to San Francisco. And um, the main thing that attracted me to San Francisco was the program. I mm-hmm. really, really enjoyed my interview experience at UCSF and the faculty and the residents that I met during my day. Um, it just seemed like a really great environment where everyone was very collaborative. Um, and it, it, um, it just it felt like it was going to be a really good fit to, to learn radiology. And at the mm-hmm. same time, I was um, pretty excited about being able to run year-round <laughs> in shorts <laughs> and in a beautiful place <laughs> along the ocean. Uh, I've definitely enjoyed that aspect as well. We have a, a friend who will also be on the podcast who's a physician, um, Emily Krauss, and she, because of that very thing, she warns people to be wary of COTS, which is California overtraining syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. yeah. So. You don't have the seasons as these kind of natural, like you should call, you know, take it, yeah. take some time off. You can just pretty yeah. much always be going. Yeah. yeah. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Virginia. Okay. Um, in a small town about two hours west of DC. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it was a town of about 20,000 people and there were a few high schools in the area but it wasn't particularly like a huge running hub, I would say. Um, but it, it's it's a pretty nice area. We're like right next to Shenandoah National Park. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You said that you ran cross country, um, but it you know wasn't a particularly like elite program. But when did you? Was that when you first started to think about yourself as a runner? Like when did running become kind of a part of your identity? Yeah, I think it became a, a small part of my identity in high school, but it was mm-hmm. still kind of more of an extracurricular activity that I did along with tennis. I also played tennis and, mm-hmm. um, you know, various other clubs that I did. So I think it, it probably didn't take a really, or it probably didn't become a, a, a big part of my identity until at some point in med school where mm-hmm. I had been running for, you know, a year or two at that point, And I, um, and actually that was also new. So because in, in high school, I would only run during the cross country season and then I would train for tennis during the winter and play tennis in the spring. And then, then I'd run again starting sometime in the summer and into the fall, but it wasn't like a year round thing. Um, so I think it was probably in med school when it was, a, it, you know, this became a year round activity that I, I did. Um, and then once I started, um, once I joined my team and started making friends in the local running community, that's when I think it really started to, to take on a lot of meaning for me and to feel like, you know, I'm not just a med student. I'm also a runner and Mm. I, you know, it's something that's really important to to who I am. Mm. How does that identity sort of show up at work? Do people know that you're a runner? Do they know that you ran in the Olympic trials? (laughs) Some of them do. Not not everybody, but um, I think the the people who also like to run, um, they they know about it, and 
I think certainly the people, everyone in my class, I think probably knows by now that I like to run. Um, they've seen me like basically finish work and just like take off my scrubs and have my running stuff all like all ready to go underneath my scrubs. And I just leave from there. Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think probably have a reputation, somewhat of a reputation in my program <laughs> for being a runner. Do you have like a different approach to how you think about kind of work and work success and running? I mean, you do both at this very high level. Um, and I'm just curious if you, how you kind of think about success and your approach to those two different things. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think in, in terms of running, it's in some ways, I would say a little easier to define success. You know, you want to run a race and you want to run a specific time and then you do it and you're like, oh, okay, I achieved what I wanted to do. Or maybe if your goal is just, I want to go have fun on a long run with my friends and, you know, just get a good 20 miles in and then you do that and like you achieve that. And I think with, with work and with a career, it can sometimes be a little challenging to, to know that you're, you're on the right path and that you're doing everything that you need to do. Um, because often the goals are a little bit more, um, long-term goals. Like I want to become a great radiologist and be able to take great care of, of, of patients by being able to, to interpret studies really accurately. But how do you know exactly when you've, when you've gotten there, like when you've reached right. that point, I think it's a little bit, a little more difficult to define um, certainly some things may help, You're, you know, we have, uh, conferences, there's research you can do. So you can make a goal like, Oh, I want to write a paper. I want to write a case report about this cool case that I saw. And then once you do that, you check that little box that you, you know, you did what you came, came to do. But yeah. in terms of the, 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 the career as a whole, I think it can be a little tough to have a, um, to, to know where exactly, you are in that in that um, in that timeline, and to and to make sure that you're you're moving in the right direction. But I think that's also, although it's a challenge, it's it's also something that's a it's a fun challenge in its own right to try to figure out how you can have this long view of your career because it doesn't doesn't the learning doesn't end once you leave residency or leave fellowship. You you have to continually strive to stay up to date with the newest you know, research, the newest techniques that are out there. And you have to continue to refresh your memory on things that you might not see every day. And so mm-hmm. um, as trite as it may sound, uh, you learning to be a lifelong learner is mm-hmm. something that's a really important skill. Um, yeah. And at the same time, I'll say it kind of relates to running in the sense that you don't you as a runner you're not trying to just go out and run 10 miles and there that's it that's the end of it your your goals are also dependent on you going in there every day or you know five times a week or six times a week or whatever you do and putting in the work routinely and so um similar to running with with medicine and with your career as a physician you have to be able to go at it every day and put in the work routinely. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. hope I answered that. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> Switching gears a little bit towards 
um, future running goals. Uh, so you you mentioned that half marathon that you did in Utah, but I was also thinking like, have you have you raced shorter distances, and are there any benchmarks that you want to hit or times that you're looking to to crush? Um, between now and your next marathon, any any virtual races or time trials on the horizon? Yeah, I um, I actually really wanted to get back to doing some shorter stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I let's see, I think my mile um, PR is still set from a time when I did a track race in high school. <laughs> um, be nice to take that down considering I think I've raced faster than that in a 5k. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and also 5k, 10k. Um, I'm excited to explore some of those distances. That's mostly what I did in, in medical school actually mm. with run like 5ks, mm. uh, occasionally longer distances. Um, but that I guess that's probably I would think the most common, most commonly raced distance in just general like road racing, at, yeah. you know, in the community. Um, but those races were I look back at that and I was like, that's pretty fun. Just be able to do yeah. it and be done in a pretty yeah. short amount of time. <laughs> definitely, I'm I'm looking forward to to getting getting fast and being able to crush um, crush some like. Yeah. 5k races 10k races yeah those short races I forget how fun they are and like less stressful I mean when you even when you're lining up for a half marathon you're like this is still a lot mm-hmm. uh, you know yeah. the marathon is on another level but last uh I ran the fifth avenue mile last September and it was like the best race ever it's like <laughs> It's just a mile, and then it's done. Like that's <laughs> it, and it's a really big race, and it's fun. So, I think it's good to to switch it up. Um, and and now sort of feels like the time because you can experiment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about tra- trails versus road? You've talked a little bit about like you loved. It sounds like you did a lot of trail running in Utah. You were gonna do this this half marathon in Utah, but obviously you've done a lot of had a lot of success on the roads. Like what? What brings you joy? What where is kind of your head at, and how do you balance those two different types of running? Yeah, I um I love trails. They're definitely my favorite surface to run on. Um, and I really like the challenge of a lot of trail races. Which I mean, they're not afraid to just throw an impossibly steep hill at you. You're like, I, <laughs> I mean, I guess I can run that at like ten minute pace. Um, so I. I really, um, I really enjoy trail racing. I know it's, it's, it's also kind of a, a strength of trail run, running, but but a bit of a downside in that it's really hard to compare, you know, mm-hmm. times in between two different yeah. courses on two different days, like you know things like mud and wind and um, just the rocks, like grade of the slope that you have to run. All of these factors can contribute to what makes the course harder or easier. And so, whereas, you know, a road 5k is probably going to be a road 5k mm-hmm. more or less. Um, I think the trails definitely, there are, there are a lot of other factors that uh, make each trail race unique and uniquely challenging. So um, because of that, I think that sometimes trail running um, kind of gets a backseat to road racing and, um, and I remember um, leading up to the trials, 
there was this one guy who's like you know the king of ultra trail running um jim walmsley and mm-hmm. um and there was this fierce debate raging as to you know whether or not he could you know be good on the road and all he knew was the trails and and um i think it was it was kind of nice to see people talk about trail running um in a kind of national conversation type of context um, because I think a lot of the time um, road runners kind of look look down on not even just trails but even like ultra distances as being you know just a different kind of thing um, so personally I, I like trails and I think it's easier at least for me on my legs and my feet to do a trail race um, compared to a road race uh, and I think a lot of the times that like the courses are particularly beautiful and, and fun courses. Um, that being said, I also do love to go fast. So mm-hmm. the road is great for that. And um, so I, I, I really like both. And I think I'll continue to try to um, work on both. And um, I don't, I don't know that they, um, I don't know that they have, it has to be like a choice that you're either yeah. a trail runner or a road runner. You can kind of just, do what you feel like doing they can complement each other really well yeah yeah Yeah, we have there's a lot of um I don't know if you've done any of them uh don't know what it'll look like this year but there's some great trail racing series in the bay area like inside trail and zoom and um like I've done some great races out in China camp and in Pacifica um and in Woodside and it's like it's I, th- I feel like our where we are is particularly conducive to doing both, mm-hmm. which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. When you think about kind of your relationship, you know, in the next 10 years, 20 years, or you're, you're sorry, your rela- when you think about your relationship, what relationship? <laughs> when you think about your relationship with running in the next 10 years or 20 years or even 30 years, you know, what is that look like for you, especially sort of in the context of your career as well? So I, I really look forward to continuing to run. I think it'll always be a a big part of my life. Uh, And I, I also just look forward to um, exploring um, different opportunities that might present themselves. So, you know, Mm -hmm. if that's racing a trail half in a year, that's great. If it's doing, um, you know, a whole bunch of fast 5Ks, that's also, you know, sounds like fun to me. So I, mm-hmm. I want to keep training hard and keep pushing myself to be a better runner. And so 10 years from now, I hope I'll still be able to, you know, race, race hard, race well, and to continue to do workouts um, and um, continue to push myself. And I think, you know, it will be a great thing to do alongside my career, which, Mm -hmm. you know, each both running and also radiology can have aspects to them that are stressful. But I think um, running has always been a very welcome relief from, you know, more academic pursuits. You know, if you've been studying or working very hard in the hospital all day, it's nice to be able to get outside and get some fresh air. And so, I, I think that both of the both my career and my running 
I hope we'll complement each other in the in the years to come, and I'll be able to enjoy both and feel like um, both are, um, you know, contributing to me to my identity as a person, if you will. Yeah, I love that. That's such a a good good way to look at it, and we look forward to to following along as you as you um, pursue you know this impressive career and an impressive um, running career as well um we end the 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 podcast with some rapid fire questions if you're up for it sure absolutely okay uh favorite place for a long run in the bay area golden gate park hands down nice uh favorite race distance i've got to say the half marathon nice uh intervals or tempo definitely tempo <laughs> uh race day shoes. Uh the Nike Next Percent. Okay. Uh race day breakfast. I always eat steel cutouts with an apple cut up and peanut butter and granola. And that might be it. Yeah. What did it. you eat since the trial started at noon? Yeah. What was your day of eating like? So actually <laughs> I loved that they started at noon because I just woke up at nine and yeah. ate my <laughs> breakfast and it was like a normal day except I wasn't super tired because I had to wake up at four nice yeah that's not so different great yep <laughs> uh burger burrito or pizza oh that is so tough um pizza, pizza. yeah team pizza <laughs> <laughs> so Mimi, Mimi probably wants to know if you have a go-to place oh with yeah your favorite pizza sure. place so I am so sorry to admit this to you, but I haven't found a pizza place that I love in San Francisco. I've been to like Flower and Water is pretty good. Um, and let's see, I've had a few other pizzas at different places that weren't like specific pizza restaurants that were definitely good. But I don't know that I had like a go-to yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Toasted. Keep exploring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You have like at home do you have a go-to pizza place like where is what's your favorite well in nashville so i spent eight years in nashville and there's definitely a go-to pizza place there called desano's which is like neapolitan style pizza and it's like this giant cafeteria you get to watch them make it it's it's so delicious (laughs) that sounds great (laughs) um and highest mileage week ever i think i hit 70 at one point and that felt like a lot. I'd love to get to the point where 70 doesn't feel like a lot. And I can just, I that could be like a normal week. That'd be fun. But I think yeah. I peaked out at like 72. Yeah. It does. Yeah. It feels like a lot. I know. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, we really appreciate it. We really enjoyed talking to you and getting to know you better. And we're excited to share your story. Um, and I hope to see you, you know, maybe in person soon with, with Dina or at a PDC thing. Yeah, uh, that would be fun. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's great to talk to you. All right. We'll talk to you later. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode with Jeanette Mathieu. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Runners of the Bay. And if you're excited to hear more stories of Runners of the Bay, please hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcast and give us a review. We'll talk to you soon.